welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality and geekdom by celebrating the diverse in their accomplishments. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I am joined by Ren Oliver. Ren, welcome. Hi, how are you? I'm well, how are you? I'm doing okay. Good. Who are you? Who am I? Oh, what a third question, man. You don't pull punches. Oh, I'm an author. I also am a PR director and a college student and a freelance writer. I, I do a lot of stuff. That's, that's, a, that's a tough question because I have so much going on at any given point. <laughs> so I thought I would ask you, and actually, it's been a couple of weeks since we um, decided that you were going to come on, and then we were waiting for some very exciting things to happen for you. Um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, actually, we were waiting for me to actually be able to officially say that I got a book deal, which I did. Yeah, actually, yay, super yay. I signed a book deal um, a couple weeks ago, actually, with a publisher called Octopus Inc. Um, they're a really great group of people. I love all of them. They're fantastic. Um, and I basically um, wrote a book last year, edited it for a couple months, finally finished it, like edit wise, the beginning of this year. And then I finally started sending it off to places. And, I did really well. Like it was, it it, it hung around at the Pitchmas contest by Brenda Drake, and Brenda's been a really, really awesome supporter of mine throughout when I started to push numbers. And even now, it's fantastic to know such amazing people, and I've met amazing people. Like I just put a guest post up on um, Dose Twigmas, and both of these lovely ladies are fantastic. They are wonderful, wonderful people, and. I'm just really grateful to know such awesome, awesome friends. And my um, CP and awesome friend, um, Amelia, has been really helpful at AK Lindsay on Twitter. Would not be here without all the people that have read this book. My fiance actually drew awesome art that you see floating around the internet. Um, and it's actually my Twitter header. She does have a picture. Hire her. <laughs> we should do that. But, um, I guess what I've been doing for the last year is really writing a book. And I finally get to the point where I can start editing a book, which is actually a lot harder than writing a book. Yeah, editing is super, super hard. Uh, so I haven't had a chance to read the article that you wrote yet. Can you talk about it just a little bit? Oh, totally. Um, I actually, let me pull it up because I don't even, like, I haven't looked at it in a little bit. And I'm like, what did I even write? <laughs> I do that too. I'm like, I wrote a thing, but what did I write? <laughs> uh, my diversity squad, yep. I um, actually submitted the book deal to Reddit, and I ended up one of the most popular posts of uh, a couple weeks ago. I had um, 270 upvotes on r slash mercy, which was kind of awesome. But someone chimed in on my cast, and they were like, what is this diversity squad? Are you all from Tumblr? Like, all of these Tumblr personas, and I'm like, I'm the embodiment of Tumblr. I was like, yep, I'm a Tumblr persona. That's me. My book really is a diversity squad, though. Um, the main character is a cisgender white lesbian. Her partner is a pandemisexual cis woman. Um, there's a transgender guy, a bisexual woman, a black trans woman, a pansexual person. There's a whole bunch of people in this book and they're all great. <laughs> so something that 
you talk, well, actually, let me phrase it this way. Why are you writing a book that has so many different types of people in it? I know a lot of different people. um, I've just seen a lot of people saying, I want to read books and people like me and them. I have friends. um, My partner is a queer woman of color, and it's always been something that I try and address is the fact that there's no books for a lot of people. Like, I'm non-binary and a bunch of other marginalizations. I'm trying to keep those on the down low because I talk a lot about people like not necessarily having to out themselves every time they mention something, but I'm trying to keep my little identities close at hand, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Because I'm too old, I'm 30, and I just can't keep repeating it over and over and over because people think that without offering this stuff, you don't belong in this space. Let's just say that I cross a lot of marginalizations. <laughs> I am disabled. I have mental health issues. I have um, motor issues. I have autism. I'm non-binary. I'm also um, definitely not straight and so forth and so on. The only thing that I have going for me is that I am white. Um, and that is a huge, huge thing. Like, God, I am white as can be. There's, I am super white. So I have way more privilege than a lot of people on that front. I am white. Um, and people assume that I am white, which is not true. Not cis. But anyway, people assume it because, you know, that's unfortunate what happens. <laughs> but um, now that I've offered up all of my proverbial badges of honor, <laughs> um, which I really didn't want to, but, you know, that's where we've gotten to is to say, you know, I'm X, Y, and Z, and this is why I think I should write about this thing. So I've hit just about every marker for marginalization that I could possibly hit, which is um, depressing in a way. Yeah, it is. But for me, it's, it's, it's made my life harder, but I'm, I'm lucky in a lot of ways too. So I can't really complain that much, um, and I wouldn't anyway. Because I have a lot of opportunity here to you know, say, hey, this is why I wrote this book, and I hope you guys like it. And even if people don't like it, they're not obligated to like it. Like, people are going to probably hate it, actually. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I've said it before, if my main character was a dude, people would love her if she was a dude, but they're going to hate her because she's a chick. And I'm like, that's unfortunately how it goes. I can't count how many people are like... Loki's so cute. But if Loki was a girl doing evil things, they would not like Loki. Yeah, I just people amaze me. I do think that we're um that we're getting closer and closer to people accepting um I don't know like I struggle with the word to use. Strong women isn't accurate. Like strong has implications. Yeah, I struggle with that too. It has implications and it's like people can be strong women without actually like wearing lipstick and stuff or being coded as feminine people are still strong women guys yeah and there's just like it's kind of code being a strong woman is code for like being manly like being like a man in our culture and um you know so i I struggle with how to describe these types of characters because strong just kind of ugh. but you know I, i think that there's more more and more demand for um like intelligent resilient stubborn um uh people women who 
stand up for themselves, hold their ground, and are maybe even like jerks sometimes. Like that happens. Like I wrote about that in the post that I'm just from just today actually is that my main character is not on point throughout this entire manuscript. She has days where she's like, I, I don't, I'm not doing it. I can't get out of bed and I'm not doing this. And she has a whole military operation to lead, but her, her mental illnesses literally do not care. They just don't, they're not, they don't care that she has to like, lead an operative. They're like, that's nice. And, <laughs> and that's really how it is because I mean, a lot of times it's like, I don't have the spoons for this. I can't. Can't do anything. You just sit in the head and you're like, "Well, about that." <laughs> yep. About that list of stuff I have to do, and it's not happening. And I don't think that unless you've been there, you really understand how hard it is to put markers on everything you do. And it's like, how much energy do I actually have to get through today? And I think it's so important to have characters who do that. You know, we have, you know, no, nobody wants. Well, no, not nobody, but. People don't want to want snippets of real life. They want the heroes and the extraordinary people. And that's why, you know, the the TV and movie industry is what it is today. But it's so important to see normal people with normal struggles, um, you know, living their lives. It's important to see, you know, like, I can't get out of bed today, like, I'm chronically ill, I can't get out of bed, or I, I, I'm psychologically just not able to cope with it today. And um, we, we don't see that and we don't have a lot of tolerance for it. I think especially the mental thing, like, I think it's a lot easier to describe like, you know, people who have fibromyalgia or multiple sclerosis, they might be able to say, I can't get out of bed today. And people are like, okay, I understand that. But when it comes to mental illness and mental disability, it's it's just not okay. You're supposed to get over it. And, and yeah, exactly. I addressed that in the pages, actually. It says, you know, people thought this was acceptable when she was a teenager, but as she got older, they're like, you should probably start functioning now. And she's like, it's not just going to go away. I'm always going to be like this. There's nothing we can do about it. It's not going to be fixed with tea. It's not going to be fixed with sunlight. It's not going to be fixed with yoga or prayer or chanting or anything. It's just, I'm, I'm like this. This is me. This is what you have made. And if you don't want to accept what you made, then I don't know what to tell you. I think, I think that's great. Like I'm, I'm so happy that the people are, are becoming willing to talk about this. Definitely. Definitely. So I guess kind of along with what we've been talking about with um, representation of mental illness, something that I see you talk about quite a bit on Twitter is um, representation of like realistic, um, non-sexual romantic relationships between um, not straight um, cisgendered people necessarily. Alright, I gotta pop a disclaimer on this because I knew that was gonna come up someone was gonna ask me that. I will say this, this is a huge bone I have to pick because this happens a lot on Tumblr and it happens in a lot of spaces for asexuals and I am gray asexual and my partner's gonna be sexual and this is a huge problem. Is that asexual community is starting to shame gray asexuals for having sex, for having, for eventually having sex with their partners, and it's just gross, and we need to not do that, because it's not anybody's business when asexuals have sex with their partners, or if they like having sex with their partners, are you having sex with them, or you are not, therefore it is not your business, 
but people like to be like, ew, allosexuals, or ew, sex, and it's just a lot of non-straight people already have their sex lives demonized, but to do so as an asexual or as a fellow LGBTQIA person, just don't do that. That's, that's not cool. The characters in this book have sex. Ian and Celosia have sex in this book. Admittedly, it's only like three times out of 300 pages, but they still do. And that's after they've known each other for a while. So I'm going to slap the disclaimer on that. There is sex in this book. If you're reading it thinking there's no sex, I don't know what to tell you. I think that's a good thing to point out that, um, I don't know, like I recently did a, a transgender 101 episode with a very generous friend. And, you know, one of one of the things was because I was kind of um, approaching it as a person who has no knowledge, like 101. And I was like, why is it not okay to ask about like if you've had uh, reconstructive surgery or not, you know, but, but these are things that people just, um, do like, just because someone is asexual doesn't mean that they don't have sex. It's just, you know, I think, I don't know. Some asexuals don't. I'm going to say that there are asexuals right. that are sexual repulsed. There are some that don't want to be anywhere near sex. They just want to have romantic relationships. The pandemic sexual character in Embers is not that character. Sorry. I'm sorry. And I don't feel like I should apologize for her because she's an intelligent, wonderful character and I adore her. She's great. But if you're reading it thinking she's not going to have sex, she's having sex and she enjoys it and she's not going to, I'm not going to let people shame her for that. That's not okay. Like, don't go into like, even a character's life and shame them for being with someone that they love. That's, don't do it. It's rude. Definitely. So back to my question about um, why is representation important? Um, that's not necessarily like I'm talking like erotica or, or pornographic in nature, because that's a lot of, of what people see, right. Is like, um, especially like female to female women, women in relationships with one another. Um, it's, it's like for the male gaze, it's not necessarily a realistic, um, look at a relationship. Um, that's tough. I mean, there's a lot to be said for erotica. A lot of erotica is cool. I'm good with that. Like, I write some pretty smutty stuff sometimes. So you might never see it, but that's okay. I might publish it one day in a novella. And I don't know yet. But um, uh, the problem I have with erotica isn't even necessarily with lesbian or any other kind of erotica. The problem I have with erotica is mainly just one subset of erotica. And that's the gay erotica with gay men that's written by cis women of any sort and that's just become what lgbt publishing is and that's where i draw a line because you go to a lot of publishers websites and they're like we're lgbt friendly we accept submissions from all across the rainbow and you go to their books and you see literally 98 percent or so are male male written by cis women and i'm like that doesn't seem very diverse or useful <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's important for people to have access to all sorts of literature where they can see themselves. And, you know, for, for a lot of people, erotica isn't it. And especially if it's like, I don't know, like slash fic. The slash fic is just for supernatural. Yeah, for, for supernatural, Destiel, right. For Destiel or Teen Wolf or whatever god awful fandom you'll find and like 
there's some good stuff in there. I admit it. But the stuff that's getting published is just mostly torture smut or some idealized hockey player falls in love with his coach thing and it's like uh, it's old and tired and we need new stuff yeah it's old and tired or there's like demons and abuse and it's like this is not what can we stop nope so can you tell us a little bit more about what embers is about yeah definitely um also that might not be the title for much longer Uh oh I don't know what it's going to be called. It's embers I, in my head. You can't change and it. I, I know. That's what I'm saying, too. It's embers in my head. You want to talk about that? It's embers in my head. It's been embers in my head. Mm. But it's okay, because I'm over it. I'll, I'll do. But I, I like the title that's floating around. I can't talk about it yet, but I like it. Good. Um, hopefully, we'll, hopefully, it'll be out there in the wild soon, released and free. But um, I sound like it's a baby or something. Go, be free. <laughs> <laughs> Little baby bird. Little baby bird fly. Yeah. But, um, oh god, what is it about? Ooh, I have an elevator pitch somewhere. There's gotta be, oh my gosh. Um, basically, how I sum it up to people is um, a little bit of romance, a little bit of anarchy, lots of magic. So, and that's basically how it is, is that you've got um, a woman, Solosia, that was basically billed as a hero. And she spent her entire life on a pedestal until a certain point where she was violently kicked off of that pedestal because of her own lack of she what she didn't do something that she was supposed to do and every heroine i've ever seen or hero even has to do this one thing and they usually succeed at it so lucy is dealing with the aftermath of not succeeding at the thing that everyone thought she could do but she didn't so <laughs> wow it's really hard to talk about it's telling you what it is <laughs> but um she didn't do it and so she spent about seven years by the time you start reading the book trying to pick herself up and she's finally become the leader of a military um, group and she gets to she gets the promotion where she's like I'm going to lead this thing and we're going to do the other thing and so she's trying to recruit a bunch of people to say alright let's go and you know, topple our oppressive crappy government let's do that thing so that ends up going uh, hit or miss for her throughout the pages, and she has a little bit of a couple issues now. I've actually um, been editing, and she's got a bigger issue than she had before I started editing, so she's um, met a couple people that she didn't think she was going to meet, so she's kind of like, um, and I think that she's going to have a harder time now that I've tweaked them a little bit than she would have had the pages not been changed. So it's interesting to see her have to navigate through this new thing because she didn't have to do it as of like two weeks ago, which is fun. It's nice. I'm like, ah, throw a wrench in your plans. <laughs> and that's basically what editing is. It's like, I can throw a wrench in your plans, but make the story better at the same time. I think it's a better story now because you have to see why you keep your secrets and what you don't divulge to people and how that affects them and how it affects you. And the people you know and the people around you, especially when you're doing something like leading an operation to try and, you know, overthrow an entire government, keeping secrets necessarily isn't necessarily a good thing. So Celosia has to you know, decide what to tell and when to tell it. And that's interesting for her because it, it goes it goes well at one point, it goes really badly at another. So it's like hmm. So it's interesting because um, you do a thing that I hear a lot of authors do where you talk about 
um, your characters as though they are people in front of you. And um, I actually have a story about this. I have a friend who um, was actually a pretty well-known author in South Korea. And uh, she came and stayed with my husband and me for a couple of days in our guest bedroom. And like, we didn't see her. She like wanted to escape her family. It was, was having a stressful time. And so like, she was just in her guest bedroom for like three days. And every once in a while, we just hear it like this laughter, just like this deep, deep belly laugh. And I'd go knock on the door and I'd be like, are you okay? Because there wasn't a TV in there or anything. She's like, oh yeah, I'm just writing my book. And and my character is just so funny. She's just so funny. And, um, but she won't do what I want her to do. She keeps falling in love with this person. I don't want her to fall in love with that person. And, um, I just think it's really interesting that, that experience that, um, that people who are writers have of like these characters having minds of their own. Absolutely. I mean, there's everyone in numbers has a very unique personality and I really liked getting to know all of them. They all, they all are very fun. They're, if they would, they were, they're people I'd actually be friends with. I'm like, oh, you guys are cool. And I just threw in another character that I think people are going to either love or hate. Debatable. Especially in the next book in the series. It's going to be interesting to see how people react to them. So it's going to be like, oh, neat. Because they're going to be that wild card that people are either going to say, why did you do this? Or... I get why you did this, but I don't really like you for it. So, um, are you, are you prepared for that? (laughs) For the audience response? No, actually, I'm really not because there's so many things and book Tumblr, book Twitter, book everything is just kind of vicious. I'm not, I have huge anxiety problems and have huge imposter syndrome. I am not at all ready. I got 35 retweets the other day and I was like freaking out. I don't know what I'm going to do because there's a lot of people that'll just go after authors. And I'm already, you know, like I said, I'm diverse on a number of spectrums, but I don't want to be a bad example. And I don't want people to be like, well, you did write this book, but unfortunately you didn't write it to X, Y, Z specifications. So therefore it's terrible. Well, in that case, it's a formula and not a book. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of a formula right now, and that's kind of depressing. But I'm not not at all ready for any of this, to tell you the truth. I'm really nervous because I tried really hard with this book, and I knew someone, someone, like, you guys are welcome to hate it, just, um, just, I don't want to be, like, dragged on the internet about it. My anxiety can't handle it. But, you know, if you want to drag me, by all means, drag me, just don't like dox me or anything i don't want to get doxed you know i um i can sympathize with kind of that anxiety i like i almost didn't start the podcast because of it yeah it's like you have that an overwhelming fear that like someone is going to hate it so much that they're going to make me a target and it's like i don't want to be that person i just don't like there's so many if you want to find somebody that's a target go find people that are writing like horrible misogynistic crap like don't pick on like already marginalized people that have tried really 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 hard and given three years of their life to this thing because it's not exactly how you want it yeah that's a hard thing to um prep yourself for um i can say and i don't know if this would be comforting at all to you but 
I can say that in the almost year I've been doing this show, um, I've, I have been okay. Like I haven't been doxxed. Please nobody take this as an invitation to do that. Like I haven't been doxxed. I haven't been harassed. Um, you know, and I've had some pretty controversial people on the show. Um, I know that it's different communities that I'm definitely not in like the lit community. I'm not like all over Tumblr. So I understand that there's some difference, but like I was prepared. I was like, this is going to be bad and it hasn't been. So hopefully that experience is one that you'll have as well. I hope so. That'd be cool. That would be really cool. So how did Embers come to you? Did it come, was it a story that you wrote a character at a time or, or what happened? Can, do you know? Oh, this is getting me so Uh-oh. Bury me. Bury me. This is it. This is how I die. <laughs> I came from roleplay with my fiance. I'm sorry. I no, that's awesome. And, oh my God, it's so embarrassing. No, it's not. No, that's amazing. So and like I had the middle of the book written before anything else, so I had to literally write around the middle of the book. I had to come up with the beginning and the end, and I was like, I don't know, I don't know what to show here. And eventually, I just found, I just wrote an outline. And I just went for it. I was like, let's go, and I wrote it in like a month, and because I couldn't do Nanarimo because I, I forget what the heck I was doing last year, but I was not available for like the entirety of November. I was like, I'm gonna do it in August, All right? <laughs> August Remo, it's a thing. Make it happen, <laughs> like. Because November is just full of like holidays. If you if you celebrate any sort of Thanksgiving thing, and my fiance was coming back from New Zealand, that's what it was. Ha-ha. My fiance showed up in the middle of November, and that, my fiance takes priority in my life. So I was like, "Yep, gonna hang out with her so to write a book." So I wrote the book beforehand, and it was it went good. I mean, it went really good. And I think that for me, the best part was people reading it and going. I really like this. And I was like, I like you. You're my friend. It's cool. <laughs> and I didn't think that people were going to be like super into it, but everyone that I let read it was like, this is really good. You did a great job. Like, and I had, um, I could even request a partial and she only requests like something like 10, 3% of her partials in a year. So I'm like, Oh Yes. Because that, that just meant a lot. Because it's like out of the maybe 300 that got picked, to even get to the point where she asked for a partial, it's like, yes. So it was, it was cool. I ultimately didn't get an agent. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like going to say like agents are bad. If you want agent, by all means, you do you. For me, I chose not to get an agent. So that's just my bag. I don't know if I'm going to eat those words later on online. But, you know, I'm open to the possibility of getting an agent, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I can't say that I wouldn't. Um, I know that Octopus Inc. is somewhere that I kind of want to hug her down and stay with. I mean, this is their first um, their first book ever. And it's my first book ever. So we're kind of teaming up in the first. So I'm like, all right. But, I mean, a lot of people probably might not have signed. They would have been like, you don't have a track record, but neither do I. So it's kind of like, mm, well, as long as one of us doesn't suck. <laughs> And hopefully it's not going to be you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, no, it's not going to be. Realistically, it's not going to be them. I'm not. I hope I don't suck, but you know, realistically, it's not going to be them. Their, their entire team is awesome. They're great people, and they've they've already worked really hard. And they're working really hard behind the scenes, and it's just a lot of like crazy editing. And there's deadlines, and I'm like ah, and like word counts and stress, and I'm like ah, because mm-hmm. I don't like pressure. Ah. Mm-hmm. But don't worry, it'll get done. <laughs> 
but um, I've got a lot of cool stuff going on, and there's, this isn't my only book. There's two more planned in the Embers universe, and then I'm starting, I already have an entirely new project going on side by side with that that I'm really, really stoked about it's on my website. You can find it. It's called Salt Steel. Go read the blurb. It's my fave. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Embers is, Embers is my baby, and his characters are great. They're, like, they're fantastic. Like, I can't say enough good things about that cast. And they're my little diversity squad. That's, that's going to be their name from now on. Like the Power Ranger diversity squad. They're going to turn into a Megazord. <laughs> I just aged myself with the term Megazord because they've had like seven Zords since then. Oh, mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but well, I'm a little bit older than you. So I, I, I know where you're coming from. <laughs> so um, let's see. Where do we go from Megazord? <laughs> that's, that's great. Where do we go from Megazords? I don't know. Somewhere. <laughs> Um, so is your, is your contract just for, um, the novel soon to be formerly known as Embers or? The artist formerly known as. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is, okay. but there's a, there's a typical, as there is, there is a first clause in there that I, um, I will gladly be following because the octopus gets to look at everything in that universe before anybody else. I was going to do that anyway regardless mm-hmm. because to find a publisher that says we're looking for happy lesbians when all i write is happy lesbians that don't die i'm gonna stay there like it's just plain and simple like i'm gonna stay where my books are home and that's i i'm not necessarily like i'm not doing this to be the next jk Rowling. i'm in college i'm on the dean's list i have tons of internship experience i've done amazing stuff i interned for someone that ran against obama for president I've done a whole lot of cool stuff. I worked for a subset of the MIT um, MIT Games Lab, I think. God, I did that a couple years ago. Like, I've got experience. I'm not doing this to get rich. And I think a lot of people go into it thinking, like, I'm going to sell a ton of books. Reality is, not a lot of us are going to sell a ton of books. And I'm cool with not. You know, I'd love to sell a ton of books. Don't get me wrong. Please, dear God, buy this book. Buy it and review it. Because it doesn't do me any good if you don't review the dang book. Nobody hears about it. I I hate when people buy books and don't review them. It's like my pet peeve. I'm like, please, do not. Just just click the stars, even. You don't even have to write anything. Just click the stars. That's how I feel about my podcast. Yeah, it's like, don't say anything. Just, just Just click the thing and, like, be honest. Like I said, some people are going to hate this book. Just don't dox me about it. Don't write tons of Twitter hate on it, Tumblr hate, whatever. You know, just keep it civil. You have a right to call me up, but there's a difference between callouts and dragging. Like, and at the very least, I would hope people that don't like it, you know, try and talk to me rather than you know, just start <laughs> ranting around the internet about how terrible I am. So, well, like, I would hope that people would, you know, try and at least say, hey, you did this thing and I didn't really appreciate it so maybe you could not do that thing in the future. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you you bring up, like, making a hojillion dollars and, and all of that off of off of books. When I was little, I always thought, you know, I'm going to be a writer and I'm going to make a lot of money. And then um, in my 20s, I realized um, that that wasn't really a thing that happened very often. It was quite a letdown for me. But it's nice to talk to somebody who's kind of like realistic about it. But I hope that you sell a lot and you do get to a point where, you know, maybe an agent is the more practical way to approach things. I don't know if it's going to be the most practical thing. Like, I'm not sure. 
I mean, it might not. Might. I don't know. Well, I think but. where an agent really comes in handy is, you know, if you're talking like international deals and translations and, um, you know, like all, all of those things, I think is really where um, um, agents really shine for a lot of authors. Very true. Very true. Should be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be interesting to see. Hopefully anyone. So um, are you open to talking about talking about moving to New Zealand soon? Sure. Sure. Might as well. So I hear you're moving to New Zealand soon. I am. I am. My fiance um, lives in New Zealand and that's where I'm headed in October. And I just got, I just paid for my passport today. So hopefully that should show up in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I, I love the U.S., don't get me wrong, but I always wanted to travel, so this is going to be pretty cool. So um, are you just moving because of your fiancé, or did you have other reasons for wanting to go to New Zealand? Basically just for my fiancé, I'm not going Like, my fiancé's there. That's where I'm going. And, I mean, like I said, I'm about to graduate college in a year, so I've got plenty of options, hopefully. The job market's a little better over there, especially for what I do when I'm not getting. So hopefully that's gonna I'm hopeful that it's gonna turn out for me. Yeah, it's New Zealand is definitely um a place I want to visit. I hear it's hard to to actually get approval to move there, but um I'd like to go and see green fields of sheep. Yeah, my fiance is a citizen, so I get pretty lucky there. So it makes it a little bit easier. Nice. I'm excited for you. You have a lot of cool things coming up. A lot of cool things. I mean, there's a ton of just cool stuff going on. And I, I just never thought that any of this was going to happen. I mean, especially going like back, I want to say, 10 years ago, I was actually homeless. So this is, this is a nice change of pace. <laughs> this is a really nice change of pace from not being homeless and in an abusive relationship. And that's where I was at, you know, in 2005, 2006. And I made some games about it. They're in a geo. If you want to go pump them down, by all means, you know, kiran.itch.io um, or something like that, K-I-R-A-N. I don't know. But they're depressing to play them. Like, they're really sad. But um, you, can, you can scope them out. But, like, it's been interesting. I mean, if you told me, God, 10 years ago that I'd be doing any of this, I would just be like, yeah, okay, sure, right. And I think that's the case with a lot of people, especially people that have come from abusive relationships and come from homelessness and extreme poverty, that they find that success. And that's where imposter syndrome comes into play, because you're like, do I deserve this? Am I working hard enough? Everyone else knows more than I do. Everyone else writes good books than I do. I'm terrible. <laughs> Well, and I don't know, I, I've been fortunate in that I've never been homeless, um, but I've been, I've been poor. I've been like, you know, spending $3 on a little thing of chill, chili at Wendy's is a big splurge, you know, and could maybe make my bank account overdraft. Like, I've been really poor. Um, and, you know, the same thing with me, if if 10 years ago you had told me that I would be you know, doing the things I'm doing, working on the things I'm working, you know, not worrying about money every day. Um, I, there's just, there's no way I would have believed you, but I still have that fear of it all going away. Like I'm still kind of miserly sometimes. Um, and, um, I think that it's, it's one of those, 
like being poor and probably even to a greater extent being homeless is something that shapes you so fundamentally that, you know, I don't know. I just always have that niggle in the back of my mind. Look, and I mean, it's just, it's been rough. I mean, I spent, God, I want to say a long time in abusive relationships, and it just really, it, it really colors how you experience things, especially formulated years, because I was in mine, one of mine through high school, and then after high school. And then once I finally got into that one, I went right into And I eventually went into, I met my fiance, and then things were good there. And then, you know, like young couples do, we had the brief moment where it, we decided, you know, maybe we shouldn't be together. And then we fortunately got back together, been together since. But, you know, just constantly being in abusive relationships, except for my fiance, who has never been abusive and was wonderful. Um, except for, it's just like having all of that, plus poverty, plus everything else. It's just like, you know, and it just, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. And it's just been a lot for to get to this point. So I'm, I'm hopeful that things are going to pan out. I'm glad you were able to um, find someone who was not like um, the previous relationships you've been in. Uh, I know that cycle of abuse is really hard to get out of for a lot of people. So I'm, I'm super happy. Literally the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Like, I, I would rather do anything than get out of that sort of thing. Cause it's just, it's so hard because you're like, why? Just, you sit there and you're like, this is just ridiculous. And you know it's, it's for the most part, sometimes you realize that, sometimes you don't. And then you're like, is this really that terrible? And then when it is terrible, you're like, yep, this is terrible. But it'll get better. It won't be terrible forever. Yeah, and it wasn't, it's not, it isn't terrible right now, it's really not, and I'm just really grateful that a lot of things are looking up. I, I hesitate to say that everything is looking up, because, again, with that cycle, you're always like, there's going to be something going on, so I'm not going to say everything. Um, I was wondering, because you did mention the concept of spoons earlier, um, for the people who don't know, would you explain what that means? Oh, man, spoon theory. Um, I did not coin this. This is not my thing. Some lovely person got... You know. It's such a good blog post, too, for the, the original spoon theory. It is. The original spoon theory was by Christine Misrandino, and it's wonderful. It's www.butyoudontlooksick.com, and it's awesome. And you can see it. And Christine just nailed this. And it has been used over and over and over again. It's a wonderful theory. And it's like, you think of your capacity to do things as actual spirits. And it's like, if you're chronically ill and you have mental illness issues and you're always, if you have constant, like, pain and all of that, you have to decide, you know, what can I handle today? And for... Solosia in Embers, it's always that struggle where she's like, Spoon Theory, I've seen, you know, there's some struggle with it. Does it apply to mental health? Does it apply to just physical disabilities? Does it apply to just chronic pain? And I use it with both. I mean, if I'm wrong, it might be. But I find that it's really useful in terms of mental health, too, because it's like, just because... You're not necessarily in physical pain doesn't mean that you don't have a very limited amount of 
resources to complete your daily tasks. And so basically the theory is you have, or not the theory, but basically it goes, you have a finite, it's like a bank account. You have four spoons and you know that, you know, you look at your tasks for the day and you're like, okay, well, I know that, you know, that conference call is going to take one of these spoons and um, this, um, I don't know, calling the pharmacy is going to take one spoon and I have dinner with friends and that takes three spoons. So I have negative one spoon. So you've got to like decide and sometimes you don't know in advance and you just have to decide like where, where do those spoons go? And if you go into negative spoons, you know that you're going to have to pay for it later. Like it's, they're a finite resource. Um, and sometimes you don't know how many spoons you have in a day and sometimes you don't know what's going to happen in a day. But um, I think it's such a great analogy for helping people understand, um, you know, like I can't, like my spoon drawer is empty. I'm, I'm sorry. Like I can't, I can't do this thing today. Exactly. Exactly. That is definitely. That is definitely like that. So, Ren, when is um, when is the book going to come out? Ideally, in a perfect world, we have a spring 2016 release date, which is autumn 2016. For those of you that were on my way down New Zealand at that point, which I will be, so I will say spring 2016 for those in the states, and fall 2016 for those in Oceania. So you have like nine months. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Super cool. <laughs> Ren, where can people find you online? People can find me online. I have a Tumblr called Salanthi. I, I hoarded that. I was like, I'm going to hoard the name of the pair and the ship from my book. Because <laughs> if I don't do it, somebody else is going to. Mm-hmm. So it's C-E-L-A-N-T-H-E dot Tumblr dot com. I'm on Twitter at at C.K. Oliver underscore writes. I'm on the internet at www.ckoliver.com. Um, I have Facebook, um, which you can find by um, going to my website. Hit the like button. I mean, if you want, you can have to. Um, other than that, um, my publisher, you can find them at www.octopusinc.com or they are on Twitter at octopus with a K underscore ink. They are pretty rad. Um, my fiance, if you want to check out her art, is patreon.com slash Sabethy, Z-A-B-E-T-H-Y, or at Twitter at at underscore, or at O underscore Sabethy, wrong place for the underscore, and um, other than that, that's my internet hangouts, they're fun, um, that's where I make my little home, so basically, you guys can uh, find me online, anywhere really, I'm all over the place. <laughs> Uh, and you can find the show on Twitter at less than or equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, please go to less than or equal.com and fill out the contact form. Uh, if you have a few minutes, as we were talking about book ratings, it would be great if you would leave a review on iTunes because that helps people um, find the show and know whether they should listen or not. If you don't have time to uh, leave a review, I'd love just a star rating would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening. Until next time on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for Less Than or Equal.